You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin, and we got a full compliment here today, boys. How's it going? Howdy, partners. Jason, Dan, welcome back. It's good to be back. We're, the three amigos are together again. That's right. Yes, always. The three amigos. <laughs> I would. Is this, I one, do is this when we start singing? My little buttercup, little buttercup has the sweetest, <laughs> sweetest smile. smile. I know. The, smile. I know all smile. the words. <laughs> <Smile>. <laughs> Won't you stay a while? While we can oh, settle so down. Good. Sorry, I We uh, we absolutely love that movie in our house. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Jason, uh. Welcome back, especially to you, who completely blanked out on our podcast last week. I'm yeah. calling you out. Yeah, I did. I was I had some work travel coming up, and it was on the brain. And then when I finished getting ready for it, I just totally spaced that it was Monday. It's okay. <laughs> it was one of those <laughs> weeks like, for you, I think. It was like, yeah, it was, it's been a rough <laughs> leading up to that. But I think like 11, like midnight, I pulled up my phone, and I was like, hey, Jason, where are you? Where are you? It's podcast. Last call, Jason. I was like, oh, <laughs> It's all right. We just re- we casually replaced you with Lincoln. Right. <laughs> there you go. There you we go. didn't have to even call Nate. That's right. That's it. That's right. Oh, listen. What? Our episode last week would have been wild with Lincoln and Nate. Oh yeah. man. It would have been. It would have been a little. We may have to do another. Up. We may have to do another crazy session. Get yeah. some of our guests back and do a little. Do a little something. That might do be a fun. Little bad live RPG. Yeah. I yeah. Can get behind that. There's a, there's an interesting podcast out there that I've 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 been wanting to try an, a a version of this, but there was um a podcast out there called uh My Dad Wrote a Porno. <laughs> and that's two episodes in a row now. I know exactly. So basically <laughs> what this podcast is is that this um brother and sister found this screenplay that their dad had written of like the porno and it was so bad but they did like live acting with it like on the like the like radio style of it you know right. and they'd have a narrator it was hilarious oh it was Jay, really funny Justin, so Justin. but what i'm saying is we don't have to do a porno we could do something else how did you uh hilarious. how did you uh come across that in your search bar i Oh, I'll be honest. It was my sister that recommended it to me. Okay. Of a wild child. Did she want to do an audio podcast with you? No, she. Well, yes, she did, but not with that. Idea. Okay. Well, so yes, here's 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 the deal. My father has also written a screenplay. Not soul. a porno, not a porno, but it is a screenplay, and I'm telling you, it is not good. Threat level I love, midnight. Threat level it midnight. is. It, dude. The comparisons are eerily similar, okay? It is Threat Level Midnight, and I told my brother and my sister, I'm like, we should do this sometime. We should just get together and, like, like radio-style act out this screenplay because yeah. it would be a hit. And my sister said, I would absolutely do it, but I think it would crush our father. But like, crush dead. his soul. No, he's alive. Oh, I thought you said he was dead. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, let's clarify a few things here. Yeah, just wait till after he dies and then do it. That's what I'm thinking. It's the family reunion. Exactly. Uh, I've got I've got a copy of it in my you know, in my uh the Google Drive still. So it's not going anywhere. A tribute to my father's creativity. 
<laughs> well, with that total tangent aside, wow. welcome to the show. Welcome. <laughs> we are talking party games today, so party. You know, let's have a party. Um, but before we get there, Jason, how was your geek week? Now that you're back. Now that I'm back. Um, so I uh, one interesting thing, <laughs> I, I spaced the podcast. And while I was spacing the podcast, I was playing a video game. Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but in that in that time, I was able to finish and beat Alice Madness Returns, uh, which oh. I talked about the last couple podcasts. It had Man, driven him mad. He it, couldn't remember his own schedule. <laughs> I couldn't. Uh, well worth it. Well worth the entire game. It ended well. Uh, it was, uh, man, very good. Very um, um, epic ending. I love epic uh, conclusions. This one uh, did not disappoint. Um, it didn't have a very difficult boss battle at the end of the game, but that was okay because it was a very, like, thematic. I'll say it was a very, like, themed boss battle. Yeah, like, yeah. Everything leading up. So, and that, and, and I'm cool with that, right? Like, you don't, I don't have to, to put hours and hours into a game to have the ultimate challenge at the end as long as it brings it to a conclusion. Um, And uh, interesting, you know, this game um, was roughly 10 years after the first one, American McGee's Alice. The third one um, is currently on Patreon, uh, getting, uh, I say on Patreon, but American McGee is trying to fund it through Patreon right now. He's been working on it for a couple years now, and um, I think it's slated for, uh, if not next year, the year after to be released. So I'll be uh, jumping on that bandwagon. Nice. And uh, diving in. Yeah. So good game. If you got, once again, I said it, if you like games that really kind of test the waters between what's real and what's not, um, and you like kind of grim, um, uh, grim story tales, versions of story tales. This is a, a good one. After I beat Madness Returns uh, this week, I um, decided to kind of scroll through the Xbox Live uh, library, and I I saw a game that I really enjoyed. I know you have mixed feelings on it, but uh, Rise, Son of Rome. And so I yeah. downloaded it and uh, played it. Dude, it holds up, in my opinion. Does it? Considering that it was like a day, wasn't like a day one release. It was a day one game. It yeah. looks gorgeous. Oh, I hundred percent. One and I love the thing is I love like it has the same kind of fighting style as like the Batman games, mm-hmm. um, you know, where you're kind of sliding from one enemy to the next, um, mm-hmm. and you gotta yep. like time. You gotta while you're hitting one enemy, another one comes up. So you have to time your blocks and slide. And the executions I've always loved the um, the kind of quick time execution that's there, and how you, can, you depending on the execution you do, you get a buff that can buff you for a little period of time to do something else as you fight again i just really do i really enjoy it i thought it held up um i should try it again i'll be honest i should try it again i haven't picked it up since i played it in 2013 you know what i mean yeah um, here's the thing the thing i hated the most about the game when i played it the first time on the original xbox uh one was the loading was stupid right it was like i felt it was five minutes between levels well, on the Xbox One, well, I guess, uh, what is the version called that we have? One X? Yeah, on the One X, it the load times are nothing. It's oh, okay, like, cool. Once you, the, when you first start a game, you're probably waiting for about 30, 30-ish seconds. But once you start the game, there's it's seamless until you stop playing the game, even between levels. So that that helped a lot in my mind. Anyways, I the thing I really like about this game, I love the story, you know, um, but the multiplayer... Where you're in the Coliseum, the multiplayer is super fun. You can do like 
you know, multiplayer, ex- you can do uh, co-op executions where you're like fighting guys and you like you one guy kicks him over to you and you slice him with the sword and throw him back to yeah. the other guy who impales him against a tree. You know, like it's it's fun stuff like that. It's a fun game. Yeah, Anyways, that's, I gotta, what I, that's what I was I'll, doing. I'll try it again. I, it, and I think it was like a Games for Gold thing like a couple months uh, ago. Yep. And I, I, I remember yeah. just being like, okay, because I, what I did, the original one, is I got the disc version. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, and then I played it and I was like, okay, I had, okay, this is fine. And then I ended up taking it to GameStop and I think trading it in for something else. You know what I mean? So Yeah. I'll t- did you play it all the way through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course you did. You're that kind of guy. Yes. But uh, um, I think... Uh, I have only owned one disc game on Xbox One. And that was Dragon Age Inquisition, just because it was on sale at GameStop uh, once. But man, every other game I've ever bought was digital on this console. I don't think I own any Xbox One disc games at this point. Yeah. Like, I think I all traded them all in. And, um, and I don't even know if I even, I think I just got money and walked out. Because it's the same thing. I'm like, I'm just gonna download it at this point. And the sales that they have every like, like twice a year, right, are are as good if not better than GameStop. Th- that's the thing, man. That was the real kicker. Because I mean, on the PlayStation, we have tons of discs. Because you know, the PlayStation is the family console, and so yeah. like, whenever we get you know, uh, like family games for Christmas, like relatives always send send us the disc, and so we've got mm-hmm. this stack up there, but. Uh, once Xbox really started to do those kind of like biannual sales, man, I didn't, and I never bought another disc because yeah. you know, you'd, you'd buy a game that was $60 for three months and then it'd go on sale and it hit like 25 bucks. Yep. Pay 25 bucks and, you know, next thing you know, you know, you've got a game for a month to a month and a half, depending on what your schedule's on. And then yeah. once the Games Pass hits, I, I don't even buy the sales anymore. Oh, yeah, no. I, yeah. I don't remember the last time I bought. The last time I bought a game. Gosh, man, it's been like a couple of years because there's just so yeah. many games in the library. It's such a, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it so many times. It's such a, the price is so worth it for the games library. Yeah, for sure. But anyways, that was my Geek Week. Nice. Very good. Uh, I will talk about mine. I um, finished my Caradron Overlords, as I mentioned um, last time to go play Warcry at Lincoln. That's what I was calling it last week. In the <laughs> I like it. Ling yeah. Con. Ling Con. Yeah. Lincoln's house. Um, and uh, you guys but like, I never yeah, even. Jason, we used that joke last week. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I never, uh, but I never pulled them out. It was uh, it was kind of sad. They, they didn't want to play with the KO. Uh, they wanted to play with their like models that they had, which was totally cool. It was fun because Lincoln was playing with um, Cities of Sigmar. He had like a dwarf army, uh, like a, a Dwarden dwarf army. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and Will, the other guy there, he got a Stormcast army together. So it was pretty good. It was fun to see them, fun to see, fun to see them. And they, and, uh, they played two games and the Stormcast guy won both of them. And, uh, then they put the second one was pretty quick. So he's like, uh, Lincoln's like, why don't you play? I want to see, I want to see how you do with it. Cause you know the game better. So I picked up the dwarfs and I ended up winning handily. Um, and it was all just because of the way the scenario was, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was a really cool thing to show him like, listen, you know, these, this game is very narrative. I don't think like, I, I know you could set up tournaments and, and do things like that. And I'm sure you could and choose scenarios that work well with tournaments. Um, but, uh, this game, like if you're going to play with your friends, it's narrative, come with a fun list. Like, don't, 
you know, I mean, you can come with a cheese, like, crazy hard list if you want to. But the fact is, is the scenarios are going to dictate the way that the game goes. You may have an amazing list that does X, Y, and Z, but the scenario will say you need to be good at doing A, B, C, and you're just not good at it. That is such an important part of the game because the difference, a list that's optimized for all of the, the variables that are controlled in a competitive environment rarely holds up to all of the different tools that you need in your toolkit for a scenario. Yep. Yeah. So, so I've, I've been wanting to play X-Wing um, Heroes of Aturi Cluster, which is the RPG version, basically, oh, cool. of X-Wing, yeah. which is basically that. It's scenario-based starfighter combat, and you upgrade your ship throughout the throughout the, nice. the, the run of the game. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, and it's see, a that's very different thing. game experience. Well, and that's the thing is like they. I, I hope that they have more of those types of things that like whatever version the Nova Open's gonna be. You know what I mean? Because there's players like you, Dan, or even like John, that like um, our, our friend John, who like has played X Wing, who likes X Wing, but doesn't really feel like they're gonna have a good time in the competitive environment. Yeah. But if you have an all day like narrative event that you yeah. can play and you upgrade your ships as you go along. Um, and everybody's kind of in the same boat and it, you know, you could come with a super stupid list, but that may not work in the scenario you're playing. Then everybody's going to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. No, all of their story based stuff that they've done in the past, it's, it's always got, they've always gotten rave reviews. In fact, they built an eight foot, uh, like a 10 foot long, uh, six foot high star destroyer to scale with (laughs) that. I don't know if it's had the top half of a star destroyer that they use used in years previous i don't know if you ever saw that when you were there that i didn't but that sounds amazing yeah it's pretty cool so do you fly your ships on on it like yeah. on top of it yeah oh, it becomes cool. the play surface yeah that's great. that's hilarious so sorry my geek week i started painting rats <laughs> like that was my geek week um like Gross. uh yeah so i finished painting my character and overlord and now i'm painting skaven so they're you know little little rat men um, they're like, they're like if Splinter had lots of cousins, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, I'm planning them in the clan molder scheme, which is kind of like reds and silvers. So it looks kind of like, um, Imperial Rome, but rat men style. Um, <laughs> it's kind of awesome. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I'm painting them in that scheme because they're the ones that put together like the rat ogres and the like. Um, and the, you know, like the big old beast rats and like they do like Frankenstein experiments and like, like I'm looking at one rat ogre that's got like two arms on one side and then a drill for a hand on the other side, you know, but he's like a giant rat. So, um, with the drill, it sounds like a wicked combination. Yeah. So, uh, they're very cool. And surprisingly, they're much easier to paint than I thought. I would thought that KO would have been easy to paint because it's all basically metallic and just metallic surfaces. There's a ton of rivets on that thing, and there's a ton of like little cracks and crevices you got to get into. These rats, I'm like, wow, I got like half of them, half of these twenty clan rats painted in like an hour and a half. I'm like, wow, okay, that's cool, cool. you know. So they were much easier than I thought, and uh, so I, I'm glad because there's like a ton of the models that came in the box that I got for them. So that's good. Uh, my other geek week thing is I am prepping. Uh, I was just prepping right before I got on with you guys tonight. To do, run a D and D session with my company tomorrow. What? Yeah. That is gonna be okay. It's gonna be a little bit more stressful. Let me just say that. I know. I know. I can I know. talk about this during the meet of the show because I'll tell you talk about one of the games I played at work. 
I tell you, so, I've done it. I've done it yeah. twice, yep. uh, and I've I've had a blast every time. Like I I love saying how the ladies from accounting were standing over the table screaming and throwing the dice. <laughs> it was great. It was great. I think I think we're gonna have we have a very good group in my company. There's only six of us in the entire company, so I'll be running I'll be running the scenario with you know the five players and. We have a very good group. Like we're all pretty, like you know, get along really well. Um, I am very excited to see other sides of these people. You know what I mean? Like I see definitely the professional side, and I know that they they're gonna get into this. I know they are. So um, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm repurposing my uh, burbs um, scenario that yeah. I did for Shadow of the Demon for Lord. Shadow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm I'm Disneyfying it a little bit. Right. Yeah. So instead of the opening scenario where the wargs are eating the husband and son that you have to try to do, I'm going to have Aww. them. They've, they've kidnapped. They've kit like it's going to be some, you know, maybe some bandits that have kidnapped right. somebody. <laughs> there know? is a possibility so. of a happy ending. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's, you know, instead of finding maybe the decapitated sheriff's head. So. They may find evidence that he had died, you know, or, but or like uh, his, or like yeah. his hand, or something, right, like exactly. his hand with like a piece of jewelry on it. Gauge, yeah, your, gauge your audience. Maybe maybe like a bloody ring. There you go. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. something a little more Disney-fied. So uh, yeah, I, I've definitely <laughs> got to take the shadow of the demon out of the you know out of this one. You know, um, you learn you're going to learn something about your your folks. When I did it once on one of our sessions, we had the chief scientist uh, that was at the table, uh-huh. and um, when he went to cast a spell, he didn't just roll the dice. He stood up and he did an incantation, and the entire table just stood there and looked, sat there and looked at him. Uh, and and uh, when he finished, he looked at me, and I was like, "Oh yeah, dude, it goes off. <laughs> so you don't even need to roll the dice. It goes off. You bet." <laughs> you you so get great. out what you put into it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's an inspiration point plus. Yep. There you go. So, yeah, so I've been taking the character sheets that I had for uh, the Shadow of the Demon Lord and kind of converting them to D&D and, uh, you know, some of the some of the encounters just to make it D&D because I got I also got them a bunch of dice and little dice bags. So, like, they got they have like six uh, full RPG sets with little dice bags for ten dollars. Yeah, on Amazon. Get, on Amazon. I mean, yeah. they're not like the greatest dice, you know what I mean? Yeah, but like these people are using them like very serviceable. Yeah, so they're each gonna get the little pouches as we begin, you know what I mean, with their character sheets and gonna give them their player secrets and all that fun stuff. I think it's gonna be a blast tomorrow. I'm happy for you. Yeah. And you get paid to game. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, that's my Geek Week, man. What about so what, you, Dan? Sorry, one one other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just thinking back to this. You know, you, there's some things you expect from geeks, but when you come to a table with people who are not geeks at all, uh-huh. right? Like uh, another, or the at chief least scientist, self, at least self-proclaimed geeks, right? So yeah. this this one uh, this one uh, uh, lady from um, Contracts, super nice lady, right? Very professional. She comes to the table to play um, a rogue and. Um, she she has this shirt on. She comes to the table with a shirt that says "Rogues do it from behind." No, no. And I was like, <laughs> "Oh no. my gosh!" Like you just learn so much about the people That's so when great. you get them out of no. their work of art. Never would have, never would have put uh, that shirt on that lady. You know, in in my just knowing her, and there she comes with it. 
I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, I, I we got to step up. You know, giving people an opportunity to jump into kind of like it's like having a theme party. You know, people will come dressed up. You know, if you're having, you know, a Mexican Day of the Dead party, people are going to get into it a little bit. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it doesn't mean that that's that, that that's their main hobby now. But you know, good for them. Good for them. Good stuff. Yeah, Dan, how was your uh, Geek Week, buddy? So, um, not very geeky. Um, so, if you own a table saw, I I bought a micro jig, micro dial tapering jig. This thing will... So, if you know how table saws work, fences are designed to help you do 90 degree angles. And they usually come with this weird little thing called a miter gauge, which helps you do angles. And most people take the miter gauge out of the box when they put together their table saw and set it aside and never touch it again because they don't really work very well. So uh, Microjig, which is a an American company, and all their stuff is made in the USA. I spent a little too much money and got a very large jig. It's probably about 18 inches long at about you know 10 12 inches wide and it's bright yellow and has all these dials and controls but i can do a precision table a precision taper cut uh, up to uh, as low as one eighth of a degree that's the level of precision you can get um and it has this other system that have these push blocks that work with the jig and they do work without the jig these push blocks these gripper 3d push blocks allow you to push wood right over the blade of your table saw so your hand is over the blade but it's protected it allows you to put pressure down onto the cutting surface and mm-hmm. into and and pressure towards the fence and lets you slide slide it forward too so that's the three dimensions but all this stuff works together and it was a little pricey i had one of the the uh the gripper blocks from christmas but i grabbed a second one with the jig i spent a little bit of money but um, the, these are things that if I would have had when I built my gaming table, it would be so much better now, and I would have so many, so many less hassles with it. Um, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, I keep, I keep buying weapons for the last war, uh, clearly. But I needed it to do, to work on my bathroom. I um, did a, a a remodel on our uh, master vanity, and um, all those pesky little pieces pieces of wood between the vanity and the wall are very hard yeah. to cut mm-hmm. because you know 1980 uh, drywall is not uh, 90 90 degrees plumb <laughs> so you have to get real tight in there a little bit of trial and error had had, had great fun with it and so Jay as you're getting closer to building your table I've been buying stuff and I want to help <laughs> you once yeah. you get serious about it I know there's so many things happening but you know the weather's changing. And, it is uh, doing work outside is now a lot more enjoyable. And yeah, let's I, be honest, we need to think forward to GuildCon 2021. We do, and I um I want to have the table ready for GuildCon 2021. Holy so crap! I'll be, I'll be enlisting your help. Um, right. And I've also, got lots of what not to do's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, like uh, like oh, putting damn. leather down before you uh, uh, like yeah. cement it down yeah. correctly, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, How don't, portable don't is your corners. table? Mine is not portable. It's okay. it's it's a real beast. I'm not gonna. I, I can move it when we move. Um, but gotcha. Like I can take gotcha. the legs off move. of it. Yeah, yeah. Like so it's easier just to make another table in a different space. <laughs> right. No, this ta- no. Uh, look, I have that portable gamer table still. I still have my alpha gamer table. Oh yeah, table. that's super I, useful. I want to give it to Justin if we could work out a barter, but we haven't talked about it since we keep talking oh, yeah, about it on the true. show, but not outside the show. That's true. Uh, 
But anyway, let me know um, when you get serious, and uh, I'm happy to help and, and, and give you lots of free advice that you can throw in the trash. <laughs> I'm totally cool with that. Which, by the way, uh, speaking of Gilcon, I think I figured out the design for the t-shirts this year. I like I uh, that's good. I'm excited. The old design yes. was fine because it's so plain Jane. I can wear it anywhere and nobody. Oh, I work to work and everything. <laughs> yeah. Nobody notices that it's geeky. <laughs> oh no, the new one's gonna be epic. Epic. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. a bowling shirt with flames. Think Beastmaster. Beastmaster. <laughs> Beast oh my god. All goodness. I can think of Chevy Chase is be dressing up as Beastmaster <laughs> in community. All right, I got one more element to my uh, Geek Week. I played poker like with chips and stuff. It was nice. a couple's nice thing. Uh, Drew, who's in our gaming group and who I've known for almost two decades now, he hosted my wife and I. We, it was the first time I really played poker since the 90s. I grew up in Las Vegas, so, you know. So what uh, was it? Was it five card studs? No, we did all sorts of things. We did baseball. We did oh. Iron Cross. We did wow. the Iron ones Cross, where you put the. Yeah. We we did all uh, we we had lots of strip. Different... Yeah. No, we didn't. Yeah, right. Come on, man. <laughs> not cool. Not cool. So, but I liked it, and I realized this is why I don't gamble. Is because I get real competitive, and if real money oh, yeah. was on the line, I yeah. would be. Uh, I, I, I have an addictive personality. I know that I could get sucked into it because I started winning and my chip pile started getting real huge on the table. I start and this was worth nothing. The chips were worth nothing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. my adrenaline started firing. So anyway, not very geeky, but um, there's hey. a reason why locals don't play in Nevada, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a reason because otherwise you could just it, it, it's you basically like living next door to a black hole. Yeah, You know, you walk towards the event horizon, you're never going to get out. I mean, UNLV was like three blocks away from the Las Vegas, is three blocks away from the Las Vegas Strip. We lost yeah. a lot of freshmen. Let's just say that. <laughs> Kids would come from all over the country, and we'd lose them the first week, and they were never seen again. Yeah. Nice. Do you remember Xbox Arcade? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, one of the first games they gave out on that was uh, Poker. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, I remember sitting around a table with a bunch of random people on Xbox Live playing poker. Nice. With chips and stuff. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. Were so you using your a, connect? It's a fun game. You're like, hey, how you doing? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You could though, because they had the little. Uh, they had, yeah, they had the little camera icon. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, no, uh, thank you. No. Cool. But, All right. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, poker's a fun game. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. We we, we um, there's uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, I, we don't do enough betting in gaming usually. There's not enough anteing and you know stakes playing, and but uh, it can be fun in certain circumstances. Yeah, a lot of RPGs out there don't do a great job with gambling, which no. is funny because you could totally like you could whip out a deck of cards and play blackjack, but usually if you're like in a sci-fi environment, you want something cool like I don't know like. What's that uh, chess game that Star Wars oh, plays? No, no, it's Star Trek. It's 3D chess. But I do have the Sabacc deck. Yeah, I can play Sabacc. But it's been a, and that that's okay. That's closer to 21. Yeah, than it is poker. All right, that's yeah, Geek Week, so. folks. Nice, nice. Well, Dan, over to you for the news then. All right, we're gonna get newsy with our newsness. All right. <laughs> <laughs> It's time for Geek News. Oh, that was nice. Good. I felt good Very about good. that. Very good. 
Modifius announced five Parsecs Home, a narrative-driven miniature war game geared towards solo play. The game is part reprint, part new edition, part expansion of the original game from Nordic Weasel Game Desi- designed by Ivan Sorensen. Players will take on the role of a ragtag crew of galactic trailblazers and head out to explore the stars, pick up jobs, and every now and then engage in some action-packed sci-fi combat. Five Parsecs from Home is designed for solo play, but also has rules for cooperative games in order to tell an ongoing story of space exploration, aliens, robots, and more. Combat encounters are procedurally generated, with each one providing experience and equipment to advance your characters. And for those of you balking at having to prime and paint another set of miniatures, the game is designed to be miniature agnostic, so you can bring any miniature you already have. The 184-page hardcover is currently scheduled for a May release with a retail price of $34 on Modifius's website. So I love it when they when I love it when solo games say, "Guess what? We're miniature agnostic." It's like, of course you are. You know, any game is miniature agnostic when it comes down to it. You know, if it's not right? a competitive miniature. <laughs> I could play Warcry with, like, in fact, I saw the other day on um, on uh, the Warcry Facebook uh, group, somebody had a Lord of the Rings party. So they had <laughs> Boromir, great. Sam, and Frodo, That's and they're awesome. like, I'm That's using awesome. them as a Cities of Sigmar, and he had roles for each one of them that worked. And I'm like, cool, man. Do oh, it. Oh, it's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. miniature agnostic. Uh, anytime you want it to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess games like Heroes Clicks are not, but uh, they're yeah. a little bit less miniature agnostic. But anyways, okay, cool. Most games, you know, can be adapted. Thirty-four bucks, huh? That's not bad. Yeah, for a hardbound, and uh, you know, if you've got some sci-fi minis you want to put to work, um, yeah, a lot of us have them. Even if even oh, yeah. I don't even play forty k, and I have sci-fi uh, minis almost that scale. I mean, I assume you could play it with friends if you wanted to, right? It says if it's co-op, right? If you have friends. If you... <laughs> when this is all said and done, if you still have any. I, at this point, I'm wondering if like companies out there are like, okay, guys, we're still banking on the stay-at-home stuff, so let's come out with more solo stuff. Yeah. By the time they get to print, it's like, we're all open. <laughs> <laughs> what do I need this solo crap for? Uh, yeah. Everybody's vaccinated. Your friend can turn the pages. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, next news item. Board game publisher White Wizard Games has changed its name to Wise Wizard Games following feedback from their community. The publisher of Star Realms did not cite any specific complaints about the name in the press release, but noted that the original name was a throwback to Gandalf, the iconic fantasy character, but needed to change as the company looks to broaden their product lines. Can we just can we just move to the next bullet? (laughs) Don't get me started. Yeah, let's just move to the next. So dumb. Everybody needed to know. Oh my gosh, I'm not. I can't do it. I can't do it. I used to have White Wizard Games games. I used to be very familiar with their catalog. Now they're wise, and now we know. And this is just I'm sharing news. All right, (laughs) next news story. I'm I'm biting my tongue right (laughs) now. The tabletop role-playing game Frame, inspired by the looter shooter video game genre. Made famous by games such as Borderlands, Destiny, and Warframe, was abruptly canceled the same day. Dicebreaker, Uh-oh. in interviewing the designer Spencer Campbell, says it was not copyright issues but toxic fan communities that caused the project to be pulled. <laughs> Campbell, who previously published the game Light, which was also inspired by 
the video game Destiny, says the online Warframe community found out about the crowdfunding effort and began harassment ranging from personal messages to public accusations of plagiarism on social media while tagging Warframe developer Digital Extremes with such calls as, what are you going to do about it? The attacks on Twitter, Reddit, and other outlets were severe enough. Campbell could not continue saying, I couldn't do three weeks of this because I was only two hours into it and felt like dying. Of course, the tabletop role-playing game community is built on inspiration from works in other media going all the way back to the Tolkien, Vance, Liber, and Burroughs references throughout the original Dungeons & Dragons. Campbell said he has decided to take Frame back to the drawing board to remove all Warframe-inspired content, stating, I have no intention of ever going near the Warframe community in the near or future ever again. Unquote. Wow. Wow. So it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, all right, so there's two sides to this story, right? In my opinion. There's, sure. Well, there's three sides. There's three sides. There's what he's saying, there's what the fans are saying, and there's probably the truth in the middle somewhere. But um, it's interesting because I have seen it many, many, many times where um, publishers or game designers or something like that will cancel something because of quote-unquote toxic fans when um they're kind of stepping in some doo-doo and people are calling them out on it you know what i mean so like um it's i i wouldn't be surprised and like i'm not saying that i have any knowledge this is the first time i heard this story but um i wouldn't be surprised they, they said that uh, you know he had some copyright issues and things like that if he was if he was dipping into copyright issues and people were like real like hardcore warframe fans um you know, and they're calling him out on it. Like, is that being a toxic fan? You know? Uh, well, I mean, there's a way. All, don't get me wrong. There's, first a, of all, there's the a right way and there's a wrong way. is the person who needs to defend their copyright. Sure. So if I – there is a possibility that the people who published that, that game series would be interested in having an RPG version. Usually you talk to the, those folks before you put out your Kickstarter. Right. Um, but sometimes there's an advantage to letting that stuff ride. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we all know about the open gaming license that largely exists because um, Wizards of the Coast doesn't want to go sue everybody who's who's doing strength, dexterity, int. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. right. So sometimes there is an advantage to a company to to let stuff be out there in the wild because it doesn't eat into their it doesn't eat into their their revenue stream and in fact it gets their community more excited about playing the yeah. game mm-hmm. so yeah. i would Free say two hours into a kickstarter and you pull it because of the backlash <laughs> is pretty hardcore so so i will say this the people who are still playing destiny now are probably members of a cult at this point like the destiny cult I heard I'm, it was I'm just not that. that great when it came out. The so no, time. I mean the, the I mean the game. That was a great game. Yeah, it's a great game, but it's the same thing over and over and over again. And the people that are super into it, like, are super into it. Like they're super into it. Like, you know, I so think Destiny was like a crack though, because uh, you know people would it would come out, people would play it. It's just, oh, this is so repetitive, and then they'd look and they'd realize they'd logged 120 hours. Yeah. Absolutely. But I hate this game. I hate this game. Now let's play some more Destiny. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's uh, what Destiny was like. Well, do you, oh, yeah. There's were a you love guys hate familiar with, with this Warframe stuff? Oh, yeah. I played oh, yeah. Warframe for a little bit. And it's... it's like a, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a free-to-play game. Talk about repetitive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and it's... it's it, Basically, it's a console version, Dan, of your Star Wars phone game. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm still you know, playing that, by the way. Yes. <laughs> I don't so, report it on Geek Week, but so, I haven't spent so, any money. Let me just... Yeah, I mean, you'll do missions over and over and over again, hope to get that RNG loot, you know, that, that you can then upgrade your suit that you're wearing and... You know, you need like ten of one item to be able to upgrade uh, your shoulder pads, yeah. and you know it's what I mean. It's a very fast-paced game, though. Like oh yeah, like each level game. you can play in like one minute, and if you you'll get in with somebody and you're like you're like okay, I'm gonna take my time and shoot through here, and you just see that the other people are like gone, and then they're like calling for you to get in the exit with them, and you're like, what <laughs> happened? <laughs> yeah. What what happened? And then, yeah, up? and you're like. I've never played this level. I don't know where the exit is. And the next thing you know, they're like flaming you and cursing you. And you're like, oh, and you just quit. Yeah. Sounds so, like awesome. Yeah. Sounds like the community. Oh, yeah. So I, I listen, Warframe, Destiny, like, I mean, if he's treading into these waters, like, hoochie mama. Yeah, they're cultish waters. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, I don't doubt that uh, there were some toxic fans because there are definitely in these communities some toxic fans, and but at the same time, like I, you know, I kind of think that if you're going to start an RPG, you should know the fan base a little bit. Well, you know, I I hate to say it, but coming up with your own IP is always better, unless you went and negotiated a license for an sure, existing IP. Sure. Yes, and just because you negotiate a license doesn't mean you're going to be successful with your RPG. You could actually lose money procuring the license. Usually yeah. those licenses are a license to hunt, and you pay up front, and you recoup it through your business process. Right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, well, that cool. was that, that was some toxic fandom. We keep going back to this is one of our common themes, but it, it intersected role-playing games, video games, yeah. and toxic fandom. That's I couldn't. I couldn't let this news snippet lie on the cutting room floor. So I have one last bit of news. Uh, Jason might be interested in this. The uh, Games Workshop game Cursed City comes out for pre-order on Saturday. So this is a boxed game. Uh, It's very similar to games like Descent or, um, you know, the kind of uh, co-op against the AI. Um, and the models in this game are amazing. So the story behind it is that uh, the city has been under the control of a, the Wolf Lord, who is a vampire, and um, it's in the land of the dead, essentially, and that uh, basically there's minions that are wandering the streets, and these minions include skeletons and zombies with graves, like headstones staked to their backs to try to keep them in the ground. That doesn't help. And, uh, you know, like you've got to kind of fight your way through the city and try to take yeah. down some of these lieutenants and ultimately the big baddie. So it sounds, it sounds really interesting. Um, I think I might pick it up. I think I might too. Um, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate. I okay. think based on the numbers we're hearing, uh-huh. I think it's way overpriced. Uh, $200? Opinion. Yeah. And I'll say that because compare it to what it is, right? Yeah. Uh, compare it, it. It's a board game. It's a board game. You know, fight slash dungeon crawl it has fifty yeah. minis in it with you know fifty minis and then kind of cardboard terrain and cards and stuff, right? And yeah. dice. Mm-hmm. Think of all the other types of games that are like that that are on the market that have that or more minis that are way under that price. 
and yeah. still have high quality minis. The board well, game community yeah. is not the war game community. Oh, hundred percent. I I mean, if you think about it, the uh, you can get the box of the um, uh, what was the the this um, what's again that we we're looking at the other day? The uh, deep uh, oh, deep madness or no, no uh, a darkest dungeon? Darkest dungeon for a yeah. hundred dollars, and it was as much if not more in terms and, of minis. And I would argue the art style is different, but probably same level of quality minis. Yeah. So yeah. my question Another example, Descent. Descent third edition has forty plus minis and forty plus pieces of three D terrain, yeah. cards, dungeon tiles, everything, and that game's only hundred and seventy five bucks. Yeah. I, well, I have, I have, a, here's I have the an other, important yeah, I have an important question. Are the minis uh can you pull the minis out and move them into other games for tournament play? Yes. And are and they fact, are they valuable? Is there a good value there? Maybe they have war scrolls that come with them that you can use in wargaming. Yeah, and it's true. unclear at this point how good <laughs> they are. Because I and I'll it say this: is. a lot of yeah. the, a lot of the Warcry box sets that come out, like they're not that good in the war in the war oh, games. Oh no, they're when horrible. you bring them into yeah. the real. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the like models you, are good though. You could use them as play stand-ins for others. Right. Listen. Yeah. Exactly. Some of these, some of these models, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want them. Just even like when I start doing a D and D campaign again, you know what I mean? Because like the skeletons are just amazing, and the and they've got like, uh, like vampires and like giant bats and things like that that are just like really, really. I mean, the you could use these models for the Curse of Strahd and have an amazing table setup. Yeah. I just, I think that, like I said, I think it's going to be good. I think the yeah. game's going to be fun. Um, I think it is, it's overpriced it based on it's the market workshop. that it's in. Yeah. It yep. seems like there's a games workshop tax on that. Oh, absolutely. Well, and and yeah. you have to realize, so there's there's the Silver Tower had come out. There was like the Hammers of something, Hammers of Hammer Hall or something. That, that was the pre, that was the, game, the box set that came out uh, just before the Silver Tower, right? And uh, there's like Blackstone Fortress that came out. Uh, that was a 40k box set game. I mean, they come out with you know box set games every couple years, and um, they were going. I mean, when I first started getting interested in Games Workshop like three or four years ago, uh, they were 125 dollars. Then they became 150 dollars. Now they're 200 dollars, right? So um, they're like the last box set, like Blackstone Fortress, was 150 mm -hmm. retail. You know. Um, it's just the game. It's just where they are, where Games Workshop prices are. It so, is. And, and, I mean, and and it, Games it, Workshop yeah. I guess, could have painted yeah. themselves into a corner because if they sold that exact box for hundred dollars, people would say, "Well, I'm just going to get it for the minis, not for the board game." Is that yeah. Possible? Yes. <sighs> Potentially. Yeah. Eh, I mean, like you're not starting an army with those. I mean, okay. it's like, you you know, you're getting like I don't know, probably like. 10 skeletons, 15 skeletons when you need 80 on the table. Right, right, right. You right, know, right, 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 so, right, right. Um, you know, but you could use them. I plan to use a lot of these models in Warcry as well because um, yeah. there's a lot of great stand-ins for that, you know, so. Um, but I, th to me, a lot of the models have dual purpose, which is going to be amazing. Um, the game looks like it's going to be fun. Uh, so I think I'll probably end up picking it up. Yeah, I think it, it looks fun. I'm I'm toying with picking it up because I like the models and I think the game, the gameplay looks um it looks fun. It looks about the same level of complexity as other games in um in its in its uh size. So yeah. um I think um I think it could be a fun game. We'll see. Um 
I think about, you know, I look, I just, I feel like my wife always gets on me because my, my kids will say, hey, daddy's got those plastic uh, minis that he's painting. And, and my kids, I, even though no matter how many times I've told them, they seem to think that I 3D printed them all. And I'm like, <laughs> look, no, I, these, these are not something that I 3D print. And my wife's like, no, those were extremely expensive. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like oh, babe, you're paying, you know, you're paying for the artistic style of it, you know, mm. people. People you also plan for replayability. I mean, I've gotten my value out of my chain rasps probably at this point. I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I just, because you can do replayability with tons cheaper of models. Minis. Too. Yeah, yeah cheaper true. models. Yeah. I think my deep down... madness said it was one ninety nine, and I have probably three times as many minis for $199 as what's in that coming in that set. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you reach a, there's, there is a diminishing, uh, a diminishing value return curve. You know, you have to keep spending more to get, <laughs> you know, do you know what oh, I'm saying? Yes. It's like when that. you buy speakers, you know, you, you, you know, you buy a pair of $50 speakers and you have decent speakers, you buy $200 yeah. speakers and you're like, wow, these are great. You buy $500 speakers and you're like, wow. Like, and now you're into the 3000 and you're like, whoa, wait a yeah. minute. And it's only slightly better than the last couple steps yep. up like yep. the asymptotically so, approaching ideal yeah so i i don't know AKA if i said that properly gateway drugs there's 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 <laughs> it's the it's the principle of diminishing returns yeah yeah yeah, yeah good stuff but hey, we all got and, the, the, and the next hit is always better for a little bit well yeah, and, right? and these things really tickle the the completionist gene in all of us nerds yes, where we want yes. the oh my gosh set. if you are a completionist do not get in the war don't war don't do it unless you, you have i'm in a scary place right now yeah i'm in a very scary place right now i keep seeing war cry boxes and i'm like oh hello i almost have all of it i almost have half of it no one is no. going to come give okay. you an award for your complete set no one's going to uh, come come to your house with a giant check and say well done you completed the thinking, war you completed the war cry achievement i was thinking i was like okay let's say like something happened and i had to sell like if i had all the sets of war cry and i had to sell it as a complete set i wonder how much i could get for it uh. You know what? The the people who would want to buy it from you would want to buy in bulk and get a deal. Yeah. yeah. So And then at that point in time, the quality of each paint job you did starts to diminish as well. Not with all the lacquer I put on them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that's good all right maybe we should move on. <laughs> all right, guys. That that was uh, entertaining. Entertaining. Thank you for the news, Dan. You bet. Uh, good times. Uh, let's uh, let's start with our main topic, which is party games. Party. Uh, we uh, we we always love a good party game, especially since we do couples gaming nights. You know, uh, all of us have played with each other and uh, and had couples together and and played many of the games that we're going to talk about today. But we each decided that we would take uh, two favorite games and then two of our non-favorite games um, for. Uh, party games. So let's start with our favorites, and um, we'll each share our two, and then we'll get into our non-favorite. So Dan, why don't you kick us off? Um, I I don't think we've talked about this very much on the podcast. We've we've peppered it here and there. There's a game called Battle Stations, and it's in second edition, and um, it's, it's a good game. It's by Guerrilla Games. The premise of the game is is that you're on a spaceship, the spaceship, and your mini can 
walk around to different battle stations that are on the spaceship and you only have so many actions and things are far away from each other. And there's another map with another space, alien spaceship and you guys can beam back and forth to each other's ships and, and fight each other. And you're also running around trying to get your ship to, to, to work and you're trying to shoot weapons and raise shields and stuff like that. And there's another map where you move the ships and the missiles around on the board and the asteroids. And it is really a lot of fun. In some ways, it's kind of like a real lightweight role-playing game. I like it because you can get people into it real fast. Uh, I've played it with non-gamers. I had one friend uh, (laughs) who called it my Dungeons & Dragons game that I made her play, and she had a great time. Uh, I won't name... we'll, We'll talk about her after the podcast, but she's wonderful, wonderful person. But she had a blast. And so you can, it's, it's for a very large group. You can have up to like nine players, which is fantastic. And that's what a party game is, is you got to be hitting six, seven, eight, nine players for a real good party game. And that's what I like about it. The one, the only downside is it, there's not very much downside. It's not that expensive. You can buy, you can pick it up for about a hundred and ish, 20 ish bucks. And it has a lot of minis in it too. It's got 50, 60 minis that are great. And then you can buy a hardbound book that has like, all the extra rules and all of the missions, all the missions that you could possibly want. And that's another 50, 60 bucks. And they even leave room for the hardbound book inside the main box. So you buy the hardbound book and you set it inside and it fits right in there. So um, very fun. Uh, You can keep your character going. You can start over. It's all good. Um, And it's always fun to beam over to an alien ship and, and, and shank the engineer and blow up the engines. It's just great fun. Um, And so we've played it with our group a bunch of times. I'd like to play it more COVID, 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 which is why we haven't played it, but it's great. It's Uh, also great when you beam over to the other ship, set it on fire, come back over, bring the fire with you back to the other ship. (laughs) And then you're spending the rest of the game moving from room to room, trying to put the fire out, out not being set ahead of it. Yeah. Yeah, we we played a very large version of this the first Gen Con we went to back in the day, Jay. Yeah. Uh, it, this thing was on like a 20-foot-long table. and the, it, was, the, it was fun. The miniatures were, were like bigger than action figures. So it was super great. Um, uh, Jeff, his, na- his first name is Jeff. I think it's Jeff Sidek. I met him at the Gen Con where he was um, putting out uh, second edition, and he's a heck of a great guy, very approachable. His YouTube videos on how to play the game are great. And he just sits around with people that aren't gamers and says, let me teach you how to play this game. It's a lot of fun. So uh, I highly recommend it. And and, uh, it's it's great for geeks who like sci-fi, and it's great beyond that. Um, So so really quickly. Yeah. I, one thing I think that we need to talk about real quick is the definition of a party game, right? Because um, it's interesting. I think that, that uh, Battle Stations is a borderline party game. Yeah. And I say that because uh, a party game you normally think of is like you've got a lot of people there. A lot of times it's inexperienced gamers. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, and, and so... This, this box. The yes. great thing about this yep. one is it's great for inexperienced gamers and all the way up the spectrum to hardcore. Exactly. Serious gamers. So if um, you if I pull out you know Axis and Allies that is not a party game you know yeah. what I mean even though we may be playing with the same amount of people um, it's not a party game uh, you know party game I think has ease of access yeah. quick play 
uh, quick rules like to understand what's going on and just kind of getting in and, and then a lot of interaction with each the other. The interaction is really important. That's what we did. I took battle stations to work and played it with my employees <laughs> as a team building thing. And it was everybody against me because it was my game, but they all had to learn how to work together. And, and, and that's, it's, it's a cooperative versus one game. And you can tell how good it is by how, like, you play it in a mission, right? You'll play, like, one or two or three missions. You'll get to the end of the mm -hmm. third mission. You've leveled up your character twice, and people are looking around going, do we have time for a fourth? I can't tell you how many yeah. times that's happened with Battle Station. So yeah, it's it's one. pretty solid stuff. Now, do you want me to go next, or are we going to go yeah, yeah, Robin? Yeah, yeah, let's do your Okay, so one. the next one is Cash and Guns, the writer of this one. game. Just got his, uh, just got an award for at Essen, not for Cash and Guns, but for a different game. I can't remember off the top of my head. Cash and Guns is great. Everybody gets a foam gun. You have cards that tell you how many uh, bullets and blanks you have. What it is is everybody does a, a Mexican standoff and points guns at each other, and you figure out. Um, depending on who gets hit and who, 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 who chokes and tries to dive for it. You, 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 you figure out who's got, uh, who, the premise of the game is you've just pulled off a heist. There's a big pile of money, jewels and art in the middle of the table and everybody pulls their guns on each other to see who's going to get the biggest take. And it is fun. It has two expansions. I have them both with lots of different kinds of guns, machine guns, you know, grappling yep. guns, all sorts of, Really fun stuff, um, you know, two Uzis, two mini Uzis in your hand, stuff like that. Um, it's fun to, and it's a party game. I played it with non-gamers. It's, um, it, it's got a combat element and a greed element, and there's also a team version of it. That's great fun. So I, I highly recommend Cash and Guns. You'll get the first box, and it'll be funny. Be like, hey, those expansions aren't that much more money. I need to get those expansions because they're great too. Yeah. Yeah, I think I played Cash and Guns uh, the first time with you at Gen Con. Uh, Gen Con. Yeah. And then um, we pulled it out at your house with a couple's game night, and yep. that was a lot of fun, too. Yep. Now I have all the space for a couple's game night and no no one to come over. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, you know what makes Cash and Guns great is that you actually have the props of the guns. Yeah. If it you know would, what I mean? Yeah, if it was like a card that had a gun on it, it would be less fun. It would be pretty lame. And, and you, like, uh, yeah. You get a bunch of everybody's wives all pointing guns at each other, and they're like, I feel really uncomfortable pointing a gun. <laughs> I feel uncomfortable. It gets the address. I don't know. A little plastic foam gun is kind of cool. I, I, I yeah. You know, if you would have told me, if you would explain that game to me without ever, with, I would have been like, it's a foam gun, dude. Who cares? But you get it in your hand, you're like, wow. This is well balanced. And you, and, you, and you try to go with the personality of your little gangster guy, you know? Yeah, everybody has so. a, a really sleazy gangster. And the art for this is really fun. It's very cartoony. It's yeah. very, you know, it's very Saturday morning cartoon, which is fun. But everybody's dressed like gangsters. And there's a few <laughs> right, slutty yeah. chicks. It's all great. Just play it. It's it's done by a French guy, if that helps you. A lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. Why are you pointing at me? Don't worry, don't worry. I'm just boresiding my gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This isn't what you think. Calm it is, down. Dude. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jason. What about you, buddy? Um, we gonna do the thumbs up full thumbs right up. now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Up. So first, my first one is the Shindig Machine. It's a game by Travesty Games. It's a. Uh, I'll just read the back. It's a collaborative absurdity engine. <laughs> I love okay. it. So the 
yeah, it's a oh my gosh, it's a great party game, and it scales to as many people as you want to play. There's like basically it's a a deck of cards, about a hundred some cards. Uh, the rules are simple. These cards have no words on them. They're just very weird, obscure oh, pictures. Yes. We played right? this and I loved yep. it. Yeah. So like one one card will be um, you know a picture of uh, you know um, a creepy clown. Another card will be a picture of a slice of pizza. Another one will be of a chess piece. Another one will be of, you know, somebody with their head being operated on. Another one, you know, a little girl that looks like she's she's super sweet, but she's holding a knife behind her back. Like, just really weird, obscure stuff. Um, there's no words. And the whole idea is that you play a card, you describe what happens, and then someone else plays a card in response. And there's like 10, the game ships with about 10 different rules of games. And the one that I always start people off because it, it, people just have the most fun with it is um, you di- you deal everyone like th- five cards, I think. And it's when it's your turn, you say, okay, you play a card and you have to describe based on the, the what that card has on it, you have to describe how you are going to murder the person to your right. Nice. Right. Yeah. Uh, so if you put uh, like if you play a card with pills, you could you could say something easy like you know I'm gonna slip I'm gonna slip you a pill in your drink or something like that. Then the person to your right goes and they play a card from the hand that describes how they survive your assassination attempt. You know, so there there theirs could be um, I don't know maybe they they have a crystal ball and they put the crystal ball down. And they say before before we get together for dinner, I see that you try to slip me the pill and you know I switch glasses or something like that. Uh, and then and then it's their turn again, and they play down their next card and say how they're going to kill the person to their right. You just keep going around the table until you've gone all the way around once. It's a great icebreaker. Yeah. Um, and I've played yeah. it across the table with about 20 people, and it goes quick. It goes fast. It's fun. Everybody laughs. Um, there are a lot of other different variants of the games, like you can say what your superpower is, and then somebody says what your kryptonite is, and kind of goes around but uh, you can kind of do whatever you want the point is is just a deck of cards to inspire creativity and it's like 20 bucks on amazon yeah super cheap yeah uh, it's cool. been in my wish really list fun. for a long time i just have never pulled the trigger or my spouse has never been like gosh this has been in dan's wish list forever maybe i should get it for him <laughs> <laughs> poke poke yeah yeah uh my other uh game that i think is fun i've only played this one a very small number of times is Donner Dinner Party. Oh, that's messed up. Um, yeah, it is. It's a fun game. This one can play up to about ten people, and then you just run out of materials in the game. But um, it's kind of <laughs> you but, run out. You run out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, it's what, what, a what's Donner going on Party. Here? Little Christmas, pun there. A tasty time of year. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a premise that a lot of other games. It's a, at the end of the day, it's a social deduction game, kind of like uh, Mafia or Murder, if you've ever played those kinds of games, Murder uh-huh. in the Dark, um, where basically everyone sits around the table and you hand out rolls and uh, roll cards. Like that, actual you know, rolls? Like dinner oh, rolls? Okay. Yeah. Ro- <laughs> <laughs> this is messed up, man. They were starving. Listen, we're never going to get through this. No. Um, so, yeah, you get the card. So, you know, they'll be like, you know, your normal citizen or, or you know, your normal party member. Um, or you're a cannibal. That's like the bad guy role, right? And then everybody in each round, um, the whole idea is that you know you're you're the Donner dinner party, so you're 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 somewhere where you have don't have resources and it's cold outside, and everyone has to go out and scavenge for something to eat and bring it back to the back to the pool for everybody to eat. Well, um, everybody gets issued cards. 
from kind of a supply um, a supply pile. And the cards you can get are like you know a, a squirrel or berries. Um, you can also get um, like a decaying animal, so something that will actually make people sick. Or you can get uh, poison that you can put into the uh, put into the supply. And then so everyone draws. I think I think you draw like three cards. And then, and then everybody selects one of the cards that they're going to add to the pool as if they went out to gather food for the party, right? Um, and then one person is the, like, he's the camp magistrate or whatever. And that's, you know, basically the first player. They can go around, they can pick one player's card to look at. So that you get that little bit of things in there that kind of help people kind of plot against each other. They can look at one person's supply card, and then they mix them all together and flip them over, and basically there has to be enough food in the supply for all the players at the table, or you have to vote on a player to eat to make oh. up for it. Ooh, no. So, so if and the cannibal's like, I'm the, the, looking at my chops. Right. So the cannibal, if he gets three cards and two of them are squirrels and one of them's, you know, like a dead, uh, dead, dead rat, he's going to put the dead rat in because he wants there not to be enough food, right? Uh, for uh, for everybody to eat. So it's a fun social deduction game where the players, you know, you get through round and most of the time there's never enough food and the players then have to vote. And then, of course, like all these kinds of games, there's lots of arguing and fighting, playfully and banter to try to vote someone off the island or vote someone over the over the pyre uh, to consume that night until you get down to basically there's only like two people left. or you Or you unveil and vote for the cannibal and you actually... Uh, eat the cannibal and then of course it ends oh that's some poetic justice right there yeah <laughs> um so fun 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 little history fact here uh i lived in a part of reno nevada that was called donner springs Ooh. and just behind my house was a railroad tie monument that said here is where the donner party camped just before they headed off to their ill-fated adventure yikes yep so, like, literally where my house was is where their camp was before they said, all right, October's a good time to cross the Sierras. <laughs> right, yeah. That sounds good I'll to bet me. you took all the girls there on your dates to make I it did. Out. Yeah. I did. What a great like, way just to right here. get her in the mood to yeah. have a romantic yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, also, fun fact, it was at the base of a place called Rattlesnake Mountain, and it wasn't known because of its shape. All the rattlesnakes decided to, like, live there. It was great. <laughs> Cheap game, sixteen bucks on Amazon. <laughs> uh, lots of fun. Uh, yeah. the, one Fantastic. of the pioneer women looks like she's chewing something on the left yeah. side of her cheek. You don't That's know what fantastic. it is, though, do you? Uh, uh, it's a rowdy game of frontier cannibalism. <laughs> it's nice. a fun one. All right, it's a good nice. one. I'm gonna have to try that. Okay. All right. So I've got two games. Um, this was a double voted one. Uh, Dan actually had this as his, and I persuaded him to let me have it. I did. But it is a uh, secret Hitler, and this has been a favorite party game of mine since I did the print and play version of it at one of John Tross's uh, game nights. Um, it was before Kickstarter had come out. They had been fully funded. They said, we want you to try this out. We want you to get to know this game. Um, and, and unfortunately, they didn't have a second second run like order thing. They said, basically, it's going to hit retail in the next couple months. But you can do a print and play. So I printed the whole game out and cut it all out and stuff like this and, and played it. And we had a great time. The problem was is that 
the paper was so thin that you could see whether or not it was a fascist or uh, <laughs> liberal law through yeah. the back of the paper. And so it spoiled the fun a little bit there. But um, shortly after we did that, uh, the real game came out. And let me tell you, for $30, I think is what I picked it up for at Target, um, this game is excellent they've got like nice cards excellent hidden envelopes for it they've got um a cool little placard that you have when you're the president and the chancellor made and of what's wood. awesome is it's made of wood yeah made of wood and what's awesome is the rules are printed on the back of that yeah so as a president you're kind of the rules person you're like okay this is what we have to do now this is what we have to do now and so when you're the president you can just look at the back of that and be like okay i've got all the rules right here in front of me so you don't ever need to pull out a rule book like it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the it's a book murder. is freaking awesome. Yeah. It looks like it was hand typed out in the 1930s. Yeah, exactly. So it, it is your typical murder in the dark uh, style game, right? Uh, where basically you've got liberals and you've got fascists. Um, the liberals outnumber the fascists normally, maybe by like one or two at the most. And among the fascists is Hitler. Now, all the fascists know who each other is, but only Hitler knows who he is. He's he's hidden. Like none of the fascists know who he is. Or is it? Did I get that the other way around? Yeah, no, you are correct, sir. Yeah. So. Um, Zagut. Uh, yeah, and uh, obviously the liberals don't know who anybody is. So anyway, the whole point is, is that um, you've got this voting mechanism, and I think this is the real genius of this game right here. The voting mechanism that they have fuels the speculation of the game um because what you have are or you have six votes that are going to happen during the game and uh during these things like uh you know when you get some things pointed uh, uh voted in like you can assassinate a player you can look at somebody's party identification card you can look at a lot of different things um and it, it, basically the government becomes more authoritarian the more laws you pass whether they're liberal or fascist but the point is is that um you you need to get to the end, um, and if there are more uh, liberal votes, then you win. If there are more fascist votes, then you lose. And um, if Hitler's ever elected chancellor, you lose. Um, so uh, you got to try to figure out who's who. You got to try to figure out who Hitler is and keep him away from being chancellor. And you got yeah, to try to outsmart through the game, though. Halfway through the game, exactly. If he if he's elected in the first or she is elected in the first half, it's not exactly. Win. It has you to have to it, game. which is another great <clears throat> thing, right? It's like you have to have three policies enacted before Hitler can actually win the game. Um, and so, that's, so yeah. yeah, as you say, that was what was not clearly stated to me the first time I played the game. <laughs> You're like, I, I was win. Hitler. I got elected, and I said, I'm Hitler, I'm Lynn. I win. And everyone goes, mm, No, actually, uh, you didn't. Now you ruined the game. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, ruined the game. Put it away, people. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> this is a great game because, uh, first of all, it tests. It, it's one of these lying games where the, the better yep. liar you are, the more successful you're going to be. But it's different because everybody pretty much has to tell the same lie throughout the game, which was. Right. My hands were tied. I had to put in a fascist policy. I had to do this. You know, and sometimes that's the the gosh diddly darn truth, and sometimes it's a lie, and that's what kind of makes it fun. Yeah, so here's the great thing about it. If you actually count the tiles, there's two to one fascist policies to liberal policies. Yeah, yeah. So the chances of you getting, like, all three fascist policies when you go to vote – 
yeah i mean it, it, it's it's a fact like it could happen yeah. right but what i love about it is that is the fuel that again like i said um that drives the speculation instead of uh, like somebody quote-unquote dying in the dark and then everybody looking up and being like why are you looking at me funny yeah why why did you rub your nose like that and like i had an itch on my nose and you're like sure you did sure you did <laughs> you know and you're like it, it's like it, it, you know it becomes just wild accusations with a lot of these other murder in the dark things but with this one you can actually start i mean there's going to be wild accusations already but mm-hmm. at yeah. least you can start to base it on something like if somebody puts down a liberal one you're not going to question them as much as if they chose a fascist one yeah. right you know and and it uh it i, I think it it drives the game and Hey, if you're a fascist, you put down a liberal policy. All of a sudden, you got yourself some cover, you know, yeah. um, that you that you may not have had. So there's some strategy to the game too that doesn't exist in a lot of other ones. Uh, listen, in terms of its simplicity and its execution, I, I give it like a ten. Like it is so yeah. simple, so easy to play. Uh, you barely have to explain rules, and people got it. It's so yeah, easy. You go around one one or two rounds, and then that's all you need to know for the rest of the game. I, yeah. I know we have an honorable mention section of what we're going to talk about, but Hail Hydra is the Marvel version of this. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And it is pretty good because you can play with younger kids and you're not talking about Hitler coming to Hitler. power. <laughs> and everybody has a superpower that they get to use once in the game. So it's kind of fun. Um, it's not as cross-examination-y, though, as, as uh, uh-huh. Secret Hitler. Secret Hitler is like, why did you do that, man? Why did you do that? It's harder to do that in Hail Hydra because everybody's throwing cards into a stack. And uh, then you just figure out how well everybody's doing after one person starts sorting out the cards. Kind of like Battlestar Galactica. Um, yeah. But not as weird as Battlestar is. So anyway, um, Hail Hydra. So speaking of it, yeah. Hail Hydra say... is very good. It's $10 cheaper and it's more kid-friendly. But I do yeah. still prefer Secret Hitler. So it's funny that you mentioned, you know, that you're not talking about the Hitler coming to power thing. The print and play game that I brought, and I'm like, okay, guys, we're going to play Secret Hitler. There was somebody that said, I'm not going to play this game, and they left the game night. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, okay. You know? And I'm like, all right, well. Yeah. I, eh, okay. Yeah. You know? But, you know. So yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. It doesn't mean you can't have a great time with this game because it's a maze balls. Um, all right. So the other game that I have is a fun party game. Jason reminded me of it. It's Tenzi. Um, so what this is is it's basically you get ten d6 dice and you roll them. And uh, everybody we have, has ten. Everybody has ten six dice and uh, ten d6 dice. And we have a stack of cards basically that are scenarios. So it'll say like. 2z and so it's who can roll um all twos the fastest so like you Mm -hmm. roll your your 10 dice you get two twos set those aside roll the eight dice you get three set those aside roll five dice you know you keep doing that until you can see who's the fastest it's all about rolling dice you know sometimes you got to do patterns sometimes you got to get like you know uh twos fours and eights or something like that you know there's a lot of different scenarios and man you can just burn through cards over and over again and people listen people love rolling dice like people just love rolling dice i think that that is one of the biggest parts of wargaming is that people just love rolling dice yeah yeah (laughs) you know and like loads amount of dice it's not just two dice you're rolling 10 of them (laughs) and um it's like just hearing everybody rolling 10 dice oh man 
especially on a your... wooden table. Oh, dude, it gets like your adrenaline flowing. You're like, ah, twos, I need the twos, I need the twos so bad, you know. And you're just it's like going. Like a thunderstorm in your living room. And I look over, and my eight-year-old daughter's kind of like placing the twos, and she's like, oh, got one, huh? What do you know? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, what are you doing over there? Yeah. You know. <laughs> So, but, you know, we played this game with some um, family friends that came over and they had a blast with it. You know what I mean? And and it's like, this sounds like a kid's game, but anybody can play. It's the fun version of Yahtzee. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. It's so fun, too, because after you get playing for, you know, a bit, people start goofing around and, and you, it's like spoons. You'll get so focused on drawing that one thing that you need. You'll be rolling, and then every time I roll, I'd reach over and grab a die from one of the other people's already two piles and just take it. I think I played this once. <laughs> right. I think, yeah. I'm trying to get to six twos. I don't know why I only have four. Yeah, Where'd right? my third one go? Uh... You know? Start looking on the floor, yeah. Jason. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> I've got, like, a color of everyone's color <laughs> dies uh... over on my side. Look, guys, I got all the twos. Yeah, it's a, it's a great game. Uh, it's... it's yeah. uh, I think I looked it up. It's something like uh, twenty-five dollar fifty. You can get fifteen dollar one on Amazon. It depends on how big of a pack you want. Like we got the six yeah. pack and the cards with it, and I think it was thirty dollars. Yeah, you know, at the end which, of the day, you really just need the cards. You really just need the cards, which you can get separately for ten dollars on Amazon. And as long as you got a bunch of D six, it doesn't matter. So, it's a lot of fun. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yep. All right, let's talk about the ones that just didn't make the mark for us, guys. The ones that, when we show up to a party and they pull out that game, you're like, oh, man, I'm starting to feel sick. Yeah. I need to go. Well, mine's easy what game because is that? Bunko is like a Bunko party, and there's a lot of rolling <laughs> dice and going to a main table, but I played it once. It felt like I had no control out of the outcome, really, because I think it was just such a my wife loves this. She'll play Bunko games. She's played Bunko over Zoom at Bunko parties. So she loves it. It's Maybe it's the rolling dice thing. I don't know. For me, it didn't feel like a game. It felt like a probability exercise. But I think I've made that comment on this podcast before. So I'm not a fan. I will uh, play games on my phone instead of playing Bunko. Yeah. This is one of those games that it's like... That's the not fun version of Tenzi. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know where you're just like, this just isn't very fun. But if you, and if you, you know, want it to like... be mindless, and if you want to just talk to the people at your table, I guess that's the joy of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I've had uh, my my wife has said she's gone to a lot of bunko parties, and I'm like, do you like the game? And she's like, I don't care. I just am visiting with the ladies. Yeah, that's what it's and for. And I said, okay, cool. If they don't they don't quilt anymore. They bunko. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not so good. All right, Jason. What about yours? What what game will you walk out of the room if they pull it out? Oh, uh, Phase Ten. Yes, without a doubt. Hands without down. a doubt. I uh, my wife I doesn't it. even ask anymore. In fact, nope. if people people will bring it out, say, hey, "Let's play some Phase 10 She'll be like, "Jay's not going to play it." That'll be the very next thing she says. Yeah. Jay's not going to play. And she's right for doing that. You oh have a gosh. loving wife. I've got Worst it on my shelf right now. Game. Just ever. burn it, Dan. I didn't burn buy it. it. It came into the marriage. Okay, throw it away. <laughs> Not mine. It can go out of the marriage as quickly it's as it baggage. came in. It's I'm baggage. Pick you got to get rid of it. Man. You got to dump it. 
Pick, pick oh, it's so my bad. my wife is like it's not that bad, and she played it like one time with her family. She's like, this game sucks. Here, here's the thing: whenever <laughs> I get forced to play it, like if you're at a family reunion or whatever, you know, whenever I get forced to play it, yeah, I will play with my hand completely open. Nice. I put all my cards face up in front of me. You can't you do rebel. that. Yes, I can. Well, but then we. What does it matter? It doesn't matter if you know what my hands are. <laughs> Okay, we, this matter. is so another topic of sub- so subverting like, the game. I've got chaos. war stories about subverting the game in mid-play and how that's antisocial <laughs> behavior. Yes. Well, well that's because I already told them I didn't want to play. Yep, exactly. That's <laughs> what your cell phone's for, man. <laughs> uh, so my game is on the surface one of the most cherished party games of all time. In fact, it's pretty much like for our parents' generation, it is synonymous yeah. with party games. And it is the horrible game of Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> I played it. Uh, I lived through the 80s. I played that game. Listen, oh my gosh. In so every you, have variant. To, you guys have to realize something, too. I live for trivia. Oh, I yeah, am Mr. Trivia. Like, I love random facts and stuff like this. I hate this game. I hate this game. It's so obscure a lot of times. Like the the questions that you get that you're just like, nobody knows this. Like this was like a fun fact from like 1963. Like who cares anymore? And I know that they've done a lot to like try to modernize Trivial Pursuit and stuff like that. In fact, I had a friend who had Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. Yeah, I had that. And I will... I will tell you, Dan, I learned more Star Wars lore from getting all those questions wrong than watching all the Star Wars. I mean, I learned so much. And so now my wife is like, wait, who's this? And I'm like, oh, that's this person, this, this, and this. She's like, how do you know that? I'm like, I played Star Wars Trivial Pursuit with Darren Tyner. Yeah, Yeah. that's exactly what happened. And so, um, but, you know, the thing is, is like, I think Trivial Pursuit is a lot of fun when you're at Trivia Night at like yeah. a pub with your with 10 friends and you're having nachos and you're having soda and you're <laughs> you're hanging out and you're 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 shooting the crap while they're waiting the question to come out and then it comes out and then all 10 of you can be like wait what was that guy's name that did that and you're trying to figure it out and if you get it wrong who cares it doesn't matter if you get them right you get a 50 dollars credit towards your food and that's fantastic you know i mean like hey that's fun. Trivia night at like in a social setting is a lot and of fun. And on a cruise, Triv- on a cruise ship, yeah. you will find yourself seeking out. You'll get so bored on oh, a yeah. long cruise, you'll be like, "Look, yeah. we gotta, we gotta get to the schooner bar for trivia, sweetie." <laughs> yeah, so, so, but I, I will say, pulling out Trivial Pursuit with your friends and their significant others or whoever you're doing is a recipe for a disastrous night, in my opinion. Just because, like, uh half the people don't know those subjects at all, you know? And uh, sometimes you're like, dude, I'm not a nuclear physicist. And the only How way to, to alleviate this? that is to get a pack like a Star Wars or something that's specific to the thing that everybody likes or sports. And then you yep. just ina- alienated the two people who are there who don't know that. Dude, that not group. even. Yep. One, t- one time we played Disney's Trivia Pursuit. Okay. And it was like, <laughs> it, dude, I seriously, like, it would come to my it would come to my sister and it would be like, what's the name of generally understood to be Mickey's girlfriend? Minnie. All right. You got it right. Okay, next turn. Now it's your turn, Jason. What was the name of the second cousin of Mickey that Disney decided not to write a cartoon about? Yeah, that was Mortimer. What? It was Mortimer. No, 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 no. The second cousin. The second cousin. Oh. 
And then it would go back to my sister. And I'm like, what was the name of the protagonist in Disney, Disney's adaptation of Alice in Wonderland? Alice, you got it right. All right, Jason, it's your turn again. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, like every card that came around. It's the Seinfeld, dude. It's the Moops. <laughs> not the Moors. <laughs> the Moops. The Moops. Uh, yeah, that was, a, that was one of the best Seinfeld episodes ever when their bubble boy was like insulting George Constanza the whole time and they're playing Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> And like George had to, George had to sit with this guy because he owed his mom a favor or something like that, and and he was like so insulting and condescending to George the whole time, right? And so George is like, okay, well this is the one for the win, right? And he reads, he's like, what fifteenth uh, century people uh, yeah. co- like conquered Spain, you know? And he goes, hi, you idiot! Everybody knows that it's the Moors. <laughs> and he flipped it over and it says the Moops. It was a misprint, <laughs> yeah, you know? Misprint. And he goes, nope, sorry, it's the Moops. So he's like, no, it's not everybody. Everybody knows it's the more. It's like, sorry, it's what the card says. You lose. <laughs> it's so great. That was a fantastic right. episode. That That's good. the only good thing to ever come out of Trivial, Trivial Pursuit, Pursuit was that, that Seinfeld episode. Well, there that, you go. It was part yeah. of the zeitgeist. All right. You each get one honorable mention, good or bad. I'll have three. <laughs> All right. Go with him. Go with okay. him quick. Horrified is quick. very good. That's kind of, I talked about it on a previous podcast. You're fighting the Universal Monsters, Dracula, you know, Frankenstein, oh, right. the mummy. You can pick how many monsters you want to fight. You can scale up the difficulty. And it's kind of like Arkham Horror, but fun. Uh, the other one, <laughs> I like Arkham Horror. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Pie Face and Watch a Mouth are kind of interactive games. You know, Pie Face, it's like Russian roulette with whipped cream. I've yep. had a lot of fun with that. I my wife mm-hmm. loves these kind of games. And Watch Your Mouth is fun. Before COVID nineteen and people were not as freaked out about germs, you put this apparatus in your mouth and you have to try yeah. to say words or get people to guess what you're saying. I'm gonna be honest, I hate games like that. Well Dude, I, I look I, at that and I just think canker sores. Exactly, Me too. exactly. And I remember taking all those mouth guard things and putting them in the dishwasher after we <laughs> when you have to use the dishwasher after you play a game, you need to think about life but i'll mention those two because they um they're a different kind of playing a game that kind of yeah. kind of they're part of and games. and and, yeah. and you you'll get people laughing it, the, the laughter is can be really infectious it's not yes. about the game it's about enjoying the moment and that has its own party game fun all right jason yeah. what's your honorable mention uh headbands my family yep. loves this game right just put a put a little headband on your draw cards so you can't see the picture put it on on your head and then you have to ask people questions about the card that that's on your head, and you know, this, it could be like an elephant or a refrigerator yeah. or a toothbrush. And it's it's so funny, man, because I and I'm horrible at this game. I don't know why. I think Did you, I always think, think I'm going to be like, really good, yeah. but I always get down these like totally obscure paths, <laughs> and the people are just like, I don't know how to get you back. I don't know how to get you back to the right way, but you're totally off. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's good. And that also reminds me of The Office when they had their headbands thing for uh-huh. uh, you know, Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> oh, gosh. That was so good. Oh, it was so good. Look it was it up, so people. bad. We're not so going good. deep on that. We yeah, already no, talked no, about no, Wise no, Wizard no. Games. Uh, uh, my honorable mention is Bang, which is, again, another kind of murder mystery, like eh, murder in the one. dark style. Um, but what, what I love about it is that, you know, there's a lot of. Um, tools at your disposal you have guns you've got you know beer and whiskey that you can do to kind of like uh play strategically yeah 
Um, and so that's a that's a lot of fun. I will say that the learning curve on Bang can be a little steep compared to some of these other games. Like Tenzi, there's no learning curve at all. You're rolling dice, right? Um, but uh, and it, it, I think that the learning curve to Bang is even a little steep compared to Secret Hitler. So, uh, but once you have a group that gets the hang of it, it's a lot of fun. The only downside, I think, and this is why I didn't choose Bang over Secret Hitler. The downside is that when you get killed in Bang, you're out for the game. Yep. And yep. that could be a long time. Like, you could yeah. be sitting there for a good 30, 40 minutes That's not doing lame. anything. We just played at so. work, and then if you get out, you just get up and go back to work. See you later. <laughs> Let me know who wins. The, walk, winner, walk by the, cafe- the winner gets to not do work. Yeah. <laughs> walk by the cafeteria 20 minutes later. There's, like, three guys still sitting around the table looking at each other. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So nice. we had one bad honorable mention. Uh, uh-huh. Who put this down? Because I was going to put it down as a good honorable oh, I did. mention. I did. I put Cranium oh, down. I love Cranium. Um, and here's the deal. I don't Cranium, Cranium. Cranium was like the biggest hit game of like 2003. Yeah. Um, it had like a Pictionary part of it. It had like a Play-Doh part of it. Yeah. It had like word a... Word games. Word games. Trivia. So basically... Yeah, basically a little bit of trivia. Acting, so it was an acting and music mm-hmm. and performing. Yeah. Yeah. So it had like four different, like it was engaging all different parts of your brain, right? To try to win these games. And so you would work as a couple or, or as a team to do it. So like sometimes it was like, okay, you got to sculpt and you get giraffes. So you had to like sculpt like a little giraffe as fast yeah. as you could out of Play-Doh. Um, and listen, it was fun, but I think it was one of those games that, um, if if the people weren't totally into that style of game, it was a nightmare it was, for them. It was, and, and it went on real long. Um, I really have it on long. my shelf. I like it because I, I, we don't play very often. Maybe it's because of the length. It takes too long to play, I think, for what it is. And you feel bad when it, you it's lose. Trivial, it's Trivial Pursuit long. It is. It is it, Trivial Pursuit. They really wanted you to sit down and make a night of playing a game. But I'll tell you what. What I like about the game is because – if you consider yourself a multi-talented person, if you're good at two yeah, or three, if you're not heavy left brain or heavy right brain, if you have a, if you, if you're a Renaissance person, you're going to, you're just going to kick butt at that game. I'm in a word game. Yeah. I'm playing Scrabble. I want to run out, run out the, run out the door. Cranium. I can fake my way through the, through the letter word games in order to get to like the sculpting or the drawing or, or, or the trivia stuff. Or the acting. Or the acting. Oh, yes. <laughs> acting. So, uh, Cranium, party game, yes. Also, I don't like the number of people that has been involved in it because I think, um, I don't think it has the right number of players. Um, so, you have you can have up to four teams. Yeah, four teams. That's right. It's a team. Right? Team. And so, like, you you either have you either have to have eight people. Yeah. You have to have a minute. Or, I mean, you could play with two it teams, all feels, right, the, or whatever. The, the configuration always felt weird. Like, you know, t- trying to get it to work out was always yeah. kind of funky. Yeah. Um, you, either, you either – you never had three teams, essentially, yeah. right? You either had, like – you either had two or four, um, and depending on the number of people you had there, you may have had like two people on a team or like up to four people on a team. It was, it was kind of weird. So, um, anyway. and and sometimes there wasn't enough for people to do. Yeah, I felt like. yeah. And so there's a lot of sitting around watching somebody else showboat. That's one of the problems with that yep. game. Hey, I got yep. one more piece of news. 
Oh, oh, okay. Late news. Late breaking. Late Late breaking breaking news. They announced the full cast and crew for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Oh. Hayden Christensen is coming back as Darth Vader. Joel Egerton is coming back as Owen Lars. And Bonnie uh, Pisces, I can't pronounce her last name, is coming back as Baru Lars from... They were in episode uh, two and three together. Um, and Joel Egerton was in a recent show that I watched. He's like a real actor who does all these really massive, awesome movies. And he had this bit role in episode three. And then his career took off and he's coming back to rep- reprise Owen Lars. So, sorry. Ed- I had Edgerton. To, Joel Edgerton, Edgerton. 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 I probably pronounce it wrong. You can look at his IMDb page and go, oh, yeah, he was in that. Oh, yeah, he was in that. Yes. Oh, yeah, Oh yeah, he was in that. So anyway, he was in the King. The King, yeah, he um, was great in yep. that. Yeah, but, yep, that um, was that was the one. Uh, I really about. liked him in The Great Gatsby. He was a very very good Great Gatsby. So. Sorry, good. sorry to geek out, but it was Star Wars news and uh, it mattered. So there you go. Bang, more news. Very good. Well, thank you all for listening to the episode. Uh, you know, when it comes to party games, we hope that you guys can get back to having party games sooner than later. Get your vaccines and uh, party hardy after that, I guess. Only if the CDC recommends it. So, (laughs) have a great night. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. All right, see you. Bye.